Good Friday morning to you. This is Adrian Perez bringing you Coast to Coast Latino. Thank you for joining us. The Democratic Convention just finished, and uh, we're going to share with you some incredible sound bites that I think are uh, going to reflect exactly what happened at the DNC Convention. We're brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts and enhancing our community. We're also brought to you by U-Haul. For your moving and storage needs, U-Haul is there for you. The music is from El Chicano. Tell her she's lovely. And for those of us who uh, used to... Uh, uh, listen to uh, a lot of Chicano music back in the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, we very much uh, remember this particular band. And by the way, El Chicano also had a lot of their music played on an old format called Muzak. And uh, yeah, you could listen to El Chicano in an elevator. And uh, we make fun of uh, listening to elevator music. Well, they used to play El Chicano on elevator music. Again, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, the uh, the sun is being blocked out by uh, by a lot of smoke. Here in California, we have over 370 fires going on, forest fires, and some of them are pretty bad. Uh, for the last two days, we've been seeing a lot of uh, uh, ash falling from the sky. Uh, and plants, cars, etc. are being covered by ash here in Sacramento. And Sacramento is still approximately 40 miles away from the closest fire. So that's to give you an idea of just how bad the, uh, the skies are at the present moment. And by the way, for those of you who, uh, who are sensitive, who have uh, either asthma diabetes or other issues that uh, that could affect your breathing or or livelihood for that matter uh, you might want to stay indoors and avoid the uh, avoid the air as much as possible I mean it's bad enough we've got COVID-19 going on but uh, now we have uh, bad air in California I guess it's the price we pay when you live in paradise president's words have the power to move markets. They can start wars or broker peace. They can summon our better angels or awaken our worst instincts. You simply cannot fake your way through this job. Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Trump golfs. His actions fanned this pandemic resulting in over 170,000 deaths and a nation still unprepared to protect its people. 
Democracy was never meant to be transactional. You give me your vote, I make everything better. It requires an active and informed citizenry. So I'm also asking you to believe in your own ability to embrace your own responsibility as citizens, to make sure that the basic tenets of our democracy endure. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. We are a nation that is grieving, grieving the loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss of opportunities, the loss of normalcy, and yes, the loss of certainty. I'm a proud Democrat, and I'll be proud to carry the banner of our party into the general election. So it's with great honor and humility, I accept this nomination for President of the United States of America. We will never get our economy back on track. We will never get our kids safely back in schools. We'll never have our lives back until we deal with this virus. The tragedy of where we are today is it didn't have to be this bad. Just look around. It's not this bad in Canada or Europe or Japan or almost anywhere else in the world. And the president keeps telling us the virus is going to disappear. He keeps waiting for a miracle. Well, I have news for him. No miracle is coming. And that was a two-minute summary that Bloomberg uh, Politics News uh, put together. And uh, basically, it, it says a lot. The uh, Democratic National Convention is now over. We officially have uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the nominees for the Democratic Party for president and vice president. Next week, the uh, Republican National Convention is going to be held. Uh, to date, they still don't have, uh, or they have not provided, any information on who the keynote speakers will be, uh, or for that matter, how uh, their entire platform is going to be set up. But uh, I can safely tell you that in, in watching the, uh, the convention, this Democratic National Convention, uh, it wasn't that bad uh, it, for it to be uh, uh, entirely uh, done through the Internet. Uh, yeah, there were components that looked a little phony, uh, but, uh, but the ending, I think, uh, was very powerful, where uh, uh, Joe Biden, his wife Jill, Kamala Harris, and her husband, they walk out onto a stage out in the parking lot, and with uh, hundreds of cars honking and and people waving American flags, and there was fireworks. And uh, let me tell you, it it uh, it showed that uh, that somebody can actually put together a very powerful and interesting uh, package uh, using uh, using the internet. And uh, this may be. Uh, a format for the future, especially for those of uh, those of uh, those of us who put on events, uh, and uh, where we want to, you know, cut our costs. Without a doubt, uh, this this may this may have offered an interesting uh, perspective into the future. Now, the event itself, the convention itself, uh, was not only filled with uh, 
a lot of speakers, uh, it was filled with, uh, with a little bit of controversy as well. Uh, uh, for example, uh, there were a number of Republican individuals who made presentations, including uh, former Ohio Governor John Kasich. Uh, the Republican Party is, is going through an interesting division. Uh, there are those who are pro-Trump and those who are not pro-Trump. Those that are not pro-Trump are looking for ways to go back to the way things were with the Republican Party. Those that are pro-Trump are saying, "Yeah, let's get rid of, uh, let's get, uh, f let's flush out the uh, swamp." But the problem with that whole philosophy uh, has been that in doing that, you're also flushing out traditions and traditional Republicans are asking uh, is this what we want or do we want to go back to the way things were where tradition was incorporated in arguments and in battles with the Democratic Party and believe it or not that's what these groups are doing is that they're 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 moving towards getting Joe Biden elected so they can have a, a, a resurgence, if you will, of the old-style Republican Party. Uh, now, another uh, somewhat uh, controversial component of this is, although the, the Republicans were given uh, a platform to speak, Latinos were given no platform to speak. I mean, yes, we had uh, 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 a couple of a uh, couple of Latinas speak, but uh, nowhere to be found was Julian Castro, and Julian Castro ran for president, and you would have figured they would have invited him so he could endorse uh, uh, Biden. And let me tell you, uh, the. Uh, the uh, voters, Latino voters in Texas, uh, uh, you know, there's a good chunk of them that have supported Trump and continue to support Trump today. And so having a Julian Castro uh, speak to those Latinos could have been very effective in a, in a very powerful strategy on behalf of the Democratic Party. But we'll see. And I'm going to cover a little bit more about... Uh, about what exactly uh, is happening with the with the Latino vote in uh, the Biden camp, but here's something very interesting: Fox News, Fox News, praised both the convention as well as Biden's speech. Listen to this. Oh, I thought it was an enormously effective speech. Remember, Donald Trump has been talking for months about Joe Biden as mentally shot, a captive of the left. And it, I guess Biden was reading from a teleprompter and a prepared speech. But I thought that he blew a hole, a big hole in that characterization. Uh, you talked about the line that, uh, that uh, character is on the ballot, decency is on the ballot. He talked about a different path for the country. Not in a, a deep programmatic sense, but he did talk about plans for the virus and the economy, uh, for climate change and race and foreign policy. 
and he talked about what a united America can do to accomplish all of those things. It seems to me that after tonight, Donald Trump is going to have to run against a candidate, not a caricature. Uh, the Democrats have had a good convention. Now it's the Republicans' turn. Michelle Obama stuck the landing, I think, keeping with that theme that Joe Biden just hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth, which I think I got that right in terms of the sports. He had pace, rhythm, energy, emotion, and delivery. So I think that if he looks back, he's got to say that's probably the best speech of his life. And he really just took the moment, and I, I love that. Now, there was, on the policy side of things, a little bit of incoherence. In a three-sentence stanza, he said he was going to create millions of jobs through green investments paid for by repealing the Trump tax cuts. If you tease that out, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but this was a speech that was 80% appealing to the heart, 20% policy. Now we'll turn it over to the Republicans. I do just want to say congratulations to Stephanie Cutter, who put on the first unconventional convention. It turned out to be a pretty good one. And by the way, those were fireworks you were hearing in the uh, in the background. But again, even for Fox to uh, praise the convention uh, and also praise uh, Biden's speech, which was pretty doggone good. Um, overall, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a, a surprise. And uh, again, we don't know what the uh, Republican uh, convention is going to look like next week. But uh, many of us, of course, are going to be watching it uh, to see what uh, Trump says and who he has as his uh, keynote speakers. Um, now for the next steps. After the RNC, uh, uh, what we're going to be looking for uh, are the advertisements, the strategies that are actually implemented out there. Uh, I want to share with you that yesterday... Uh, a uh, marketing genius by the name of uh, Lionel Sosa out of, uh, out of uh, Houston, Texas, uh, was hired or rather joined the, uh, the uh, Lincoln Project. And the Lincoln Project is one of the Republican factions that have pulled out of the Republican Party to endorse uh, Joe Biden. Now, Lionel was strategic in getting uh, Latinos to vote for Ronald Reagan. And he especially was, was uh, uh, strategic in getting Texan Latinos to vote for Ronald Reagan. Uh, he also did it for, the, for uh, George W. Bush. So now the question is, can he duplicate the same strategies for Joe Biden uh, with Latinos, not only in Texas, but across the nation. And uh, let me tell you, we're going to be watching uh, his strategies. And uh, for those of you who follow us on uh, on Facebook, uh, Coast to Coast Latino is the group. Uh, we will be posting the... Uh, the adver advertisements that come out from uh, the Lincoln Project, uh, of course, those that are designed by uh, Lionel Sosa. So let's say that uh, Biden and uh, Harris's uh, election is successful. Uh, this creates an interesting situation for California in that we'll, we will have a vacancy 
in the U.S. Senate. Uh, that particular seat uh, can be filled through an appointment from uh, the governor of California, who is Gavin Newsom. He received a letter this week from the uh, Latino Community Foundation, uh, which was not only signed by the CEO of the foundation, but also uh, 500 uh, leaders from throughout California. And the letter points out the fact that Latinos make up 40% of the state's population, 54% of the state's K through 12 public school system. That's 54%, okay? And uh, not only are Latinos the uh, second largest voting bloc in the state, but they contribute over $54 billion into the state's community. And the fact that uh, Latinos are not represented in the uh, higher levels of federal government, uh, this would be a wonderful or, or great opportunity for uh, Latinos to be represented by having Newsom appoint a Latino Latina as the other U.S. Senator representing California. Uh, and of course, for those of you who know, uh, Dianne Feinstein currently occupies the other seat. In the letter that was uh, sent to Newsom, uh, Jacqueline Martinez Garcel, who is the CEO of the uh, Latino Community Foundation, uh, says that uh, Governor Newsom has a unique opportunity to elevate the Latino community in one of our country's most important political institutions. As we look toward the future and how to rebuild our country in the aftermath of the de devastating COVID-19 pandemic, we need to impress upon the governor to consider the many talented Latino leaders who are ready to potentially fill this critical seat. So we'll see what uh, what Newman uh, does, but first we need to see if uh, Biden and Harris are elected into the positions of president and vice president to replace Donald Trump and Mike Pence. And as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there was criticism of the DNC not having any uh, uh, Latino, real Latino representation, considering there are 61 million of us uh, making up 18% or almost one in five of every American in the United States of America. Uh, but uh, Alexa Sanchez, who is an executive board member of the League of United Latin American Citizens, which is uh, the oldest Latino organization in the United States. Uh, she's from Iowa City, and she says she was pleased with the many people of color that were featured at the convention. Uh, she said that that doesn't mean that Latino voices are not valued, or at least she's speaking on behalf of the DNC. Uh, she thinks that it's totally valid for some Latinos and some uh, folks to feel that the DNC and uh, uh, upcoming events uh, may not have Latinos in them. However, 
uh, she recognizes that there's a lot of different identities and a lot of the different communities are needed uh, to be spotlighted. Uh, she says, and quote, we're all fighting for the same opportunities and empowerment. And I think this is one of the great ways that we can continue sharing that space when it's needed, unquote. Uh, and of course, there's those who just still didn't see uh, the uh, the uh, support from the DNC. Uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Steve Villatoro, uh, He's the uh, former vice chair of the Democratic uh, uh, Latino Caucus. And uh, and let me tell you, he pretty much sums it up uh, the way many Latinos feel. Uh, I, uh, let, me, let me share this with you. And this is a, a, a quote. I mean, it's very sad for the Latino community. And I hope the DNC can change the uh the next month before the elections unquote and he also mentioned the fact that uh julian uh, castro should have been invited to speak but uh but he wasn't and uh it's not a slight according to uh uh lulac uh but uh, you know when you're 61 per uh, million people and you're 18% of the total population uh, would have been nice to have a few key leaders in there I've shared in a previous podcast that uh, Latinos today uh, are uh, the fastest growing voter block in the United States as well uh, every 30 seconds a Latino turns 18 years of age when which makes them eligible to vote. And the bigger question is, are they in fact getting registered and will they in fact be ready to vote? Uh, the nation's uh, most prominent Latino political engagement group is telling us that they have registered over a quarter million Latinos across the United States. But uh, the key is going to be to get out the vote, and they know that. And so right now they're they're uh, making uh, strides in major cities uh, across the U.S. to uh, to engage and energize the young Hispanic population, which is quite frankly going to be the key to getting both Biden and Harris elected. In Texas, for example, uh, Hispanics uh, share. Uh, of all the voters is 30%. In Arizona, it's 24%. In Florida, it's 21%. In Nevada, it's 20%. Okay, the, these are large numbers, huge numbers that can make the difference between candidates winning an election or not. And it doesn't matter which political party. It's the fact that Latinos have become and are becoming a more significant uh, uh, role player in the election of individuals. The, uh, the, uh, what some of us are seeing is that uh, if we show a significant impact uh, in these elections, 
all these candidates, the political parties, both political parties, will be investing more resources to attract the Latino community. And I think uh, overall that also means a significant amount of uh, political empowerment to the Latino community because now we also will have say-so in public policy. And public policy is the one that directs exactly uh, how, how our society operates. And we do need more resources in public policy that emphasize education of our kids, uh, the protection and, and health care of, uh, of our seniors, and uh, overall the, the, the more positive development of uh, Latino families throughout the United States. Well, moving on to the other significant uh, issues affecting the Latino community in the, the United States, a, uh, an advocacy group uh, called Latinos for Education conducted a survey of uh, 300 Spanish-speaking low-income families, Latino families, in greater Houston, Texas, uh, asking open-ended questions. And this is what they found, and I think it's very interesting, and, and, and it's something that needs to be shared. Uh, they found that uh, the parents, Latino parents, are concerned about a range of issues affecting their children during this pandemic, and it includes their child's mental health, the loss of learning, and more importantly, the quality of the type of education they're receiving online. Uh, this pandemic has created a paradigm shift forcing us to look at things uh, the way we've been doing them and asking the question, is there a better way to do it? By going online, the belief is that, uh, yes, we can, we can still match some level of, of education, but, uh, but the parents are saying that, that it's beyond that, okay? My child needs interaction with other kids. They need interaction with a teacher. Uh, and uh, they fear that because of the lack of that interaction, uh, their child's mental health will be impacted, and experts are agreeing across the United States there is a negative impact on the mental health of a child. Also, uh, there is, in fact, uh, a loss of learning because not every child can easily adopt to the idea of learning online. And then we have additional problems with the whole online learning idea, and that's uh, a lack of access to the internet and a lack of access to, uh, to laptops that can help that child. Uh, we've known for, for at least the last two decades that a Latino's first experience on the internet is through their cell phones. And some children have tried to do their learning through their cell phone, but cell phones can, just can't meet what a, a laptop can provide. And uh, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us as Latinos 
as parents to make every effort to find out what is available to our child if the school is unable to provide it. And that includes laptops. Not sure how many of you are aware of this, but some companies, uh, they change out their laptops uh, every, every year. And if you find out of a, of a local company who's changing out their laptops, ask that company to donate those laptops to needy children. Uh, that would help a tremendous amount. And of course, the, the donation wouldn't be directly to the child. It would have to go through the school because the school uh, then has the ability to, to incorporate uh, whatever software uh, or apps are essential for the child's learning. Uh, and and then there's other things that that uh, that communities can do, including providing uh, the the missing components of the school environment, such as uh, art, uh, physical activities, etc. And so, here's something I want to challenge all of you, my listeners. Uh, if you come up with an idea of how to improve a child's education, share it with me. Uh, email me at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com and I will be happy to read your suggestion. In addition to that, we will post it on our, uh, on our uh, uh, Facebook pages and we have more than one page. That way it gets uh, really good uh, reviews by uh, Latinos living in the U.S. And um, here's the other thing. If you are familiar with, uh, with food programs, make sure that our children are also getting the food that's essential to them. Uh, you know, we've seen some food giveaways that included a lot of sweets. Children don't need more sweets. What they need is they need nourishment that's going to help their brains develop. Okay, uh, so that's my challenge to you. I hope you're able to meet it. Anyway, so this is my cue. Uh, it's time to uh, call it a day for this episode of Coast to Coast Latino. It is our eighth episode. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, again, we are brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, U-Haul, uh, and uh, we're also supported tremendously by the Latino Journal, an online publication uh, that is distributed nationally, uh, covering a variety of topics and critical issues. And uh, let me tell you, if uh, you get a chance, go on and check them out. LatinoJournal.net. That's www.latinojournal.net. Visit our website at uh, coasttocoastlatino.com. That's www.coasttocoastlatino.com. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>